Yeah, and we are talking about the word grow. That, that's the word that was dropped in to my spirit here on Sunday. And, and he gave me a, a definition or an acronym for that, and that's God recreating our will. And so, I mean, think about our will, Jim. Think about as a kid. Look at a kid in the grocery store where they purposely put the candy where mommy checks out. It's like that is the most evil thing that a grocery store could do. I still see that candy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Even at my age. So that kid's reaching (laughs) over to grab that candy, and mom says no. Well, what's, what's he do then? He pitches a fit. So our will needs to be recreated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because our will is, I mean, even Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Think about that for a second. Jesus said that. If he said that, we definitely need to say that. And, you know, like that child, our will tends to be selfish. Me, 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 what about me? Whereas God's will is always thinking of others first, like the love that you were talking about. Well, that's what Calvary's all about, Rich, is demonstrating the love of the Father. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Don't we really want to open up to new ideas and to grow our faith? You know, why do we go to school or college? If we knew everything, we wouldn't have a need for the schools. They could all close up. But they have it set up like kindergarten, first grade, second, all the way up, possibly college, bachelor's degree, master's degree, doctorate, you know, you go to school to open up to new ideas and to new ways of learning. You go to grow. You go to grow. I like that. Go to grow. Okay. So, so basically, you go to school for that reason, to expand your knowledge. You know, if we, if we as Christians close off any thought or teaching that isn't what we have been told up to this point, we will be stuck for the rest of our lives and miss so many exciting mysteries and secrets of God, Jim. Hmm. It says in Ephesians 1.9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. That's a mouthful. The mystery of his will. Don't you want to know that? I See, I, I, I can't uh, even think about standing still. You know, I want to continue to grow. That's, that's always been my heart's desire. I mean, he puts in us the, our heart's desire, and that's something he put in me years and decades ago. Um, let me read it in a different version, starting with verse 8. It says, this superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us. It's already there. 
releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, Christ, this is the one that will get you. He unveiled his secret desires to us. So he's already done it. It's a past tense word. He unveiled. He revealed his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. That kind of tells you where we're going. If you, if you need a prophetic word, uh, that, that to me doesn't sound like gloom and doom, Jim. Mm-mm. No. No, that sounds, very, that sounds like a very good gospel. Mm-hmm. A gospel of love and peace and joy. Mm-hmm. Not a gospel of, well, I'm going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is available to all who are listening today. If you're listening today... Go back and read Ephesians 1, 8 through 10, because this is available to you today. It's not some future thing that you have to work yourself up to, or it's not something that that you have to um, do anything but accept. It comes by grace, and some of your time. That's the key, Jim, some of your time. You you know, there's so many of us, and I'm including myself, that are so busy, and you're working, you're doing this, you're doing that, and you get through your day and you say, man, yeah, I've talked to the Lord throughout the day, but I've never really set any quality time aside where it's just me and him, and I can forget about work, forget about family, forget about everything, and just focus on him. Isn't learning secrets and mysteries of God worth some of your TV time? I'd put that in there for myself. (laughs) And um, these eternal truths will last through eternity. We've said this before. The only thing you take out of here, if, if you make your exit by way of the grave, the only thing you're taking out of here is your relationship with him. You take nothing else. So all these things we strive for, I'm not saying they're all bad, but I am saying this. If, if, you, if you knew, if you could see into the future, which is what you're doing right now, you're seeing that on that day you breathe your last, the relationship you have with the Lord is the only thing you take into beyond the veil. Yeah, Rich, getting back to the analogy that you used on going to college to get a degree and et cetera, uh, as a human being, in order to succeed in this world, in this earth, uh, you have to make time. You have to go to school. I mean, your parents aren't going to let you skip school. Mm-mm. You've got to go to school. So, and you've and you, you got to come out of the playground, and you've got to go into kindergarten. And it's the same way in high school. Yeah, you'd rather be out goofing around, playing baseball, whatever, 
uh, but it's actually a law of the land that you've got to go to high school and preferably get your high school diploma and, and then go on and educate yourself in, in higher realms of school, you know, college, degrees, and so on and so forth. Well, the fact now that we are, and of course the natural is always a type of the spiritual, the Bible says. Now that we have been enlightened to the fact that we're spiritual beings, that means that the only way that we're going to grow up is to go up. Um, the only way we're going to grow in the Lord is by the school of the Spirit. It's not going to be in man's college. Man's college can really not they can tell you a little bit about God, but if you are taught by the Spirit, you experience God. And that's what changes a man's heart. And when a man's heart changes, his will changes right along with it. So, you know, we are now new creatures in Christ. Now, how do you grow being a new creature? You're a spirit being, and your spirit's got to grow, and it, it will grow in faith, etc. And I'll end it with this. Jesus said, uh, when the Spirit of the Lord comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He didn't say when you go to man's college and get your doctorate degree in theology, uh, you will grow in the knowledge of the Lord, and you will change, and you will be recreated into his image. No, he said, I'm going away, and the main reason why he went away was he didn't want them looking at the flesh anymore. He wanted them to understand and know that the Spirit of Christ, the school of the Spirit, was inside of them to lead them and guide them. I'm going to say something that may not sit with some, but, you know, by going to a university or a seminary or whatever, if you're there to learn, the only thing you're going to learn is what your teachers know. And that's whether you go to college for a business degree or you go to college for to become an attorney or whatever. You're only going to learn what the author of that book writes and the teacher that's teaching the class. Is, is that not true? Sure. So guess what? You can get, if, if, if a title's important to you, it's not important to us. We never give titles to us because it's, it's all about him. But if, if you can get a doctor of divinity without spending all that money. Oh, absolutely. You can get a master's degree. Well, and go beyond that <laughs> real to the doctor of divinity. A real, yeah, yeah. A real one. Yeah. From the master. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can get it from the master. I mean, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Now, he will use instructors. We're not saying anything against no. the teachers and the instructors at colleges and seminaries and whatever i mean and maybe that's a starting point for you that's good that's good but ultimately the truth is you're not going to learn anything beyond what that textbook has to say mm -hmm. and that teacher has mm -hmm. to say that's it yeah, and the cloud's always moving god's always always moving. always yeah, and and let me tell you something if i took just and Jim, I'm speaking for you too because we talk a lot about this. You know, if if I would have stopped and you would have stopped ten years ago, hmm. I mean, think of what we missed yeah. would have missed out on. If, I mean, the yeah. last let's say five years have been so glorious, and That's it's right. probably the yeah. best five years yeah. I have ever had with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. and it gets better. So the last five years were just, 
I don't know. I, I, I will say today, I think the last five years have better been, been better than the first 30. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact, Rich, that uh, whether the listening audience understands this or not, I'm a plan a, we're going to plant a seed in you. Uh, we are in an hour of change right now. Yes. This is not business as usual. This is no longer business as usual. This is the reason, too, why a lot of people are either switching churches or they're leaving the organized church. Um, I know that that stirs a lot of people in the wrong direction, but I know four years ago uh, the Lord started speaking to me about coming out and going into his stall. He says, you've heard my call and you feel my draw. Now it's time to enter into my stall. And Malachi talks about that in Malachi chapter 3 or 4, where it says that they will enter into the stall and be fed by the master's hand. And that's what God is trying to do with the people right now. So there's a lot of new and exciting things coming forth from the realm of spirit right now. And as you meet these people, and they're all around the world, Rich and I are meeting them either on Zoom calls or YouTube or whatever, um, there, God is doing a new thing in this new day. Yes, yes. And it's exciting. There's an unveiling yeah, that's there happening. Really there really is. And that unveiling is Christ in you. Yeah, yeah, That's true. That's the unveiling. Yeah. And so we, we just, we want more and more. That's, we just, if you have a hungry heart, if you want to please God, ever, you know, a lot of times people talk about, well, if I do this, I do that, and I do the other, I'm going to please God. And, and you know, I'm not saying that's not true, but if you want to really please God, he just wants to spend time with you and wants you to get to know him. He already knows you. He For doesn't sure. need to get to know you any better. He wants you to get to know him better. But let, let's say just for just for sake of argument that you, you're sitting there saying, man, I have tried. I have tried to hear the voice of God. I, I have, I've done everything you guys have said. I've done everything other people have said. And I just can't hear the voice of God. I, I, you know, all I can tell you is you probably have. <laughs> if you have spent that kind of time and you have a desire in your heart to hear his voice, I, I would assure you, you've probably already heard it and just didn't know it. Would you say so, Jim? Yeah, I'd like to add just a little bit of that to, to that, Rich, too. You know, how did you get saved? You got saved by grace. Yes. Through faith. Not of your own doing. It was, yeah, right. It was not of your own doing. And that's the point that I want to make. If you want to hear the voice of God, stop striving. Stop striving. Don't let, don't let your emotions get a hold of you. Just say, God, I know you love me. I know that it's your will that I know your will, and I hear your voice. And so I'm going to receive that gift of knowing and hearing you by grace. And that's really all you have to do. Just, you know, rest yourself into the rest. Just rest yourself into this thing. Sit down, get quiet, say, I just want to know you, Lord. And that's all you have to pray. That's all you have to do. Just get quiet, and all of a sudden you'll start knowing the voice of the Lord. And it isn't knowing. It isn't so much hearing like, hello, Bill, or hello, Jim, this is the Lord. There's a knowing the voice of mm-hmm. God. You know, my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. Yeah, and, you know, 
our prayers have changed over the years, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Um, my prayer life was mo- more about this, you know, taking a shotgun and, and shooting it into a wall and having all these prayers and hoping, just hoping that some of them stick. That was my prayer life until I came into a, a close, more of a closer relationship with him. And, and what happened then? Um, I would start seeking his will in that given situation. What is your will, Lord, in that given situation? You know, and then pray his will. If we do that, I promise you, he will hear you. Because it says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. Yeah, and you have to wait on the Lord. You have to wait. Well, how do I, again, you know, well, how do I know how to pray? How do I know God's will? You wait on him. You just be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That's all you need to do. And this is when I started several years ago. I just went up and started praying, Lord, I just want to know you. I didn't bring all the prayer requests and heal my body, heal my finances, whatever, heal my relationships with people, whatever. I want to know you, Lord, because once you start coming into a deeper knowledge of the Lord, all of a sudden your finances get healed, your relationship with people get healed because you're walking in more love. So it's all about knowing him. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so the topic is GROW. GROW. GO. He gave me the acronym of GROW or GO. It's God recreating our will. God recreating our will. Um, you know, Jim, there's, there's people out there that are born again and whatever, and they still call themselves a dirty, rotten sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saved by grace. Oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, that's not how God sees you. Mm -hmm. So if God doesn't see you that way, why do you see yourself that way? Mm -hmm. You were born in perfection. You were born in the image and likeness of God. Do you think that is a dirty, rotten sinner image? Or do you think it's a godly, divine image? It's a godly, divine image. So, you know, we just have to be aware that there's a man-made belief system out there. Yeah, called the gospel. And, and, you know, and and we have to be able to distinguish between what's man-made and what's God-made. You know, it, it can distort your belief system. It can distort your plans and purposes. Um, it's just now, Jim, I, I, it's a call to the church to get back on track. Yeah, the greatest thing, Rich, is it distorts your relationship with the Lord. That's it. That's the greatest thing. So God shows us that he can bring us back to him with that born-again spirit experience. Isn't that the born-again spirit you experience? You have that, you up what you, you think is a separation. He's yeah. never separated no, from you. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even before yes. people think, well, 
God's separated from me, so now that I'm born again, we're connected again. Mm. Well, he's never been disconnected from you, ever. Prodigal son. But it doesn't stop there. We must continue to grow up into a mature son or daughter of God. And we've been discussing today, how do you do that? So anyway, when you get truly born again, when you truly have a born again experience, the Bible says you're changed. There's a change, a metamorphosis that takes place. Sure. We start a path that takes us from glory to glory. That's growth. Doesn't the Bible say that I will take you line upon line, precept upon precept, glory to glory? Mm-hmm. What, what is he saying there? He wants to help us grow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else you can interpret that. When we are growing spiritually, we start to see his will becoming our will. He is restoring us from the inside out into what, into who, excuse me, we really are. And that is one with him. That's who we are. That's who we were before your mom and dad even knew each other. You didn't just appear when your mom and dad got married or whatever and and had you. You existed before. He told he told Jeremiah, "I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb." Guess what? He can say that about you. For sure. Whatever your name is, you can say God knew me rich mm-hmm. before Bob and Jean ever knew each other. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of deep, but it's truth. Yeah. Um, the same God in the New Testament was the same God of the Old. And the, when Jesus walked the earth, <clears throat> and the main reason why he was crucified and walked the earth was to reveal the nature of the Father. Because everybody had such a skewed image of what they thought God was. So, you know, he said, I came to reveal the Father, um, and that's all about love. Um, one of the poems the Lord gave me, just a part of it, said, For Father's greatest desire in this present hour is to restore back to us his glorious power. So get into your closet and shut the door so Father can secure for you his treasure that you already have in store. For we are this treasure in jars of clay and it must come forth in this, the Lord's glorious new day. So this treasure is already in you. You just have to open up the treasure box, and like the man that saw the field that had the treasure in it, he had to go and sell everything he had to have that field so he could secure that treasure. And basically what God is saying is if you want to know the treasure inside of you, then you're going to have to divorce yourself from some of these other things that you're into. And I realize it can be difficult, probably a lot more difficult than what the the devil wants us to believe, because God can relieve you from all these other interests you have if you will simply pray about it, um, and he will do it by his grace through his faith. You know, we were bought with a price, the Bible says. It says, this is one version, it says, you were God's expensive purchase. You mean something to him. Amen. Just because there's 7 billion people on this earth, he's God. 
-hmm. He can love each one of us individually because he considers us an expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood. And then it goes on to say, we were crucified with Christ. The Bible says you must die once. Guess what? You have. Mm -hmm. At Calvary. Yeah, you have. You've been resurrected Mm -hmm. with Christ. Romans 8.10 says, now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, so back to what we just said, you were crucified with Christ. That sin body is dead. Sin nature, yeah. His life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. So many people out there are thinking, God could never love me. No one else loves me. Why would God love me? I'm here to tell you, he loves you and he's accepted you just the way you are. You don't have to clean yourself up and, you know, do, quit doing all the things that you shouldn't be doing. He'll take you right the way you are. Now, what happens is when you realize that acceptance, then, then you want to change your life, mm-hmm. your you physical life. spend more life. time with him, too. And when you spend more time with him, what happens? You're changed from the inside out. The things you used to want to do, maybe you don't want to do them anymore. I know that happened to me. Yeah, me too. You know, I didn't want to go to the clubs. I didn't want to go, you know, do the things that I used to do. He changed me. And he's changed you, too. Well, I think that's the reason why, again, a Calvary rich, what greater love hath any man, the Lord said, but to lay down his life for his brothers. And I think one of the main reasons uh, of Calvary is God was demonstrating his love for you, even, even the condition that you think you're presently or currently in. And a lot of that is all in your mind. Uh, we've been separated from God in our mind, not in our spirit. I'm sorry, but I have a little different theology than what some of the other churches have. Like you said earlier, he'll never leave us or forsake us. That's so right. we've never been separated from yeah. God, yeah. but in our mind, we right. thought we were. Yeah, that's what Paul said. Paul said you were alienated in your mind. He didn't say that your spirit was completely lost and unredeemable. He said it was your mind that was separating you from God. And I believe the main reason why he sent his son to Calvary um, is to reveal his great love uh, because we were of the notion that God really didn't love us. And even if we thought he did, religion had trained us that you have to carry out all these laws, do all these things in order to stay in good graces with God. Uh, I know one of the things that I found very confusing was when the Lord manifested himself to me in the hotel room, the love was absolutely incredible. And when I went, I, I changed the church that I was going to because the Lord said, I want you out of there. And I went to another church 
And when I went to this other church, every Sunday, the preacher told me I had to get saved again, basically, because you know you committed some sin this week, so you need to walk the aisle and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, Lord, you told me that my sins were forgiven in that hotel room. Were they just forgiven from yesterday? Because if that's the case, I'm not going to make it because I know I'm going to fall short tomorrow. And the Lord said, no, your sins are forgiven, all of them. Now go walk in love. I mean, that's a perfect example of double-mindedness. Oh, yeah. When you think, well, today I'm saved, tomorrow I'm not saved. I mean, I've heard preachers say, you know, once saved, always saved. No, no, that's not the case. That can't be done. You can fall out of your salvation. And um, that's not what the Bible says. It's very, very clear. Um, If he says that you're saved and born again, you're saved and born again. It has nothing to do with sin. Sin is been, you've been redeemed from that sin. And it clearly says that he doesn't even remember your sin any longer. So if you're out there with guilt and shame because of you messed up, you, you missed the mark, which is all that, that's all that word sin means is the archery guys in the, in the olden days, they would shoot at targets, and if they didn't hit the bull, bullseye, they sinned. That's what it was called, yeah, sin. So no big deal. What's it take? Get dusted, you know, Pull up your bootstraps and go again. And that's what God's telling you. So let let me just read how much he loves us. Because uh, let me just read it. John 17, 21 says that they all, how many, what, 70%, 80%? No, all means 100%. They may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That's the heart of the Father. Mm-hmm. It's love. He didn't say, well, if you perform a certain way, if you don't sin, if you do this, if you don't do this, if you say this and don't say this. He didn't say all that, did he? The Pharisees, the religious ones did. Yeah, Yeah. but he didn't say that. Mm -hmm. He says, we must be one all, all of us be one. Every one of us be one. Because if we're not, the world may not believe that, that Jesus was sent by the Father. So until we all become one, the world's going to sit there and look at us and say, well, I don't want any part of that. You know, they, they do this, they do that, they make you do this or that or the other. It's all about being one with the Father. If you're one with the Father, it's going to be love and acceptance just like he is with us. Yeah. I mean, I just read that he, that you are accepted by God. So guess what? We're to accept Everyone else. Jesus sat with the prostitutes and and the uh, tax collectors and all these so-called sinners. And the, re- and the religious people, I mean, rebuked him. So guess what? He wants us to love all. And the glory, it says in, in verse 22, and the glory which thou gave me, I have given them. So it's already been given. Does the Lord lie? <laughs> no, it's been given. It's past tense. Yeah. 
that they may be one even as we are one. That's a powerful statement. You mean to say that we are one no differently than Jesus is one? Is that what it's saying? That's the way I read it. Then verse 17, 23 says, even, <laughs> I mean, how many confirmations does Jesus need to give us? 23 just confirms it again. I in them, and you and me, he's talking to the Father, that they may be made perfect in one. Mm-hmm. And that the world may know that thou, that you have sent me, Father, and that you have loved them, us, as you have loved me. You know, the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. I mean, is that what it says, Jim, or mm-hmm. am I imagining things? Yeah, because he sees Jesus in all of us. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he's doing. That's the love he has. Yeah, that's right. For us. That's right. Christ that's right. in you, the that's hope right. of glory. Yeah, John 17, basically, the whole chapter is yes. a prayer of, great. of Jesus's. And, uh, you know, is, is the Father going to answer the prayers of Jesus? I think so. Uh, Jesus, he said, I only say those things that I hear the Father say. And so this prayer, he was praying for unity, oneness, and God, that God would reveal his love that he has for us in the unity and the oneness. That was his prayer. And the reason why he prayed that was because he only, pray, he only said what he heard the Father tell him to say. So we know that those things are going to come to pass, irregardless of how you feel, what you're thinking at this present time, or even what you might have heard in some religious circles about what a sinner you are. I will take Jesus' word for it. He is going to bring you through to completion. He said, he who has begun a good work in you, and by the way, he began the work in you. You didn't begin it. You didn't begin it. And it says, he who began the work in you will bring it forth to completion. He'll finish it. Yeah. That's what it says. Yeah. I found another definition of growing or growth. Um, since our topic is grow, and, and again, God gave me the acronym of God, G-R-O-W, God recreating our will. Mm-hmm. It says, we grow by incorporating spiritual substance into our consciousness. Spiritual substance. You know, God, so many people are afraid that if they entertain something that maybe is new and fresh, that they are opening up to evil spirits or whatever. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit, li- greater is he that li- is, lives in you than he that is in the world. He will separate the wheat from the chaff. Is the devil more powerful than God? I mean, Absolutely settle, settle not. Settle that issue today. Just That's settle disgusting. that issue, period. He put him under his feet at the cross, and he's under your feet, he's too. He's defeated. Yes, Spiritual growth, the increase of God in man. You know, Jim, someone might have a problem with that. But why? I mean, the whole thing, like John the Baptist says, you must increase so that I will decrease. Mm-hmm. So I think this is, this is what God's doing is increasing yeah. himself in us. Especially in this hour. Yeah. Yes, no question about it. 
All growth is first in the mind. We've been saying that and depends on the standards we are holding in that mind. High, a high spiritual standard has lifting power. So you want to get lifted out of all the worldly garbage? Well, guess what? Get close to God. All growth and unfoldment or revelation, you can say, are based on the law. Well, what law is he talking about there? He's talking about the only law that Jesus ever said, and that's love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's three things that are contained in that law, and that's love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. What we earnestly desire and persistently affirm will be ours if we faint not. And that's Galatians 6, 9. So if, we're, if we aren't growing in him, we're standing still. We're not moving. You know, the old expression, um, what, what is that old? I just now popped in my mind something about... Uh, uh, you can't tread water forever. Yeah, but <laughs> something about if you can't move on then get out of my way or something uh, you know yeah, yeah, i don't yeah, know what yeah. it was but you've heard something like yeah. that before um here we go growing first peter 2 2 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that's where it begins that you may grow so if you want to know if god wants you to grow he wants you to get past the milk to the bread, the bread of life, we know who that is, into a porterhouse steak. <laughs> you know, he wants you to be able to grow into him. And uh, But grow in grace, it says in 2 Peter 3.18, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Do you have yeah. any poems, Jim? Yeah, I do. Um, I got one here, and I feel like the Spirit of the Lord wanted me to read this, and it goes like this. Uh, For I desire to do exceedingly abundantly above all that your mind can ask or think. For if you will rise up on the wings of the dove... Now, you know, when he refers, when the scriptures refer to the dove, it's always talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So the Spirit is saying, for if you will rise up on the wings of the dove, listen to the Holy Ghost inside of you, he will take you into higher realms in my heavens above, when you can, where you can experience a far greater measure of my power and my love. For understand, my dear sons and daughters, I am building a corporate man in the earth to bring them forth into a mature birth, to set all my creation free and to restore all things back into the glories of me. Praise the Lord. So if you want to know the will of God, that is the will of God. And the title of this poem was, There Is No Ill in My Will. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's all, all good. God. It's all growth. It's all God. Yeah. Um, 2 Timothy 1.9 says, and I'll end, end with this, uh, if you have another poem or something, Close you can uh, end the uh, program. Who hath saved us? 
We talked about salvation before. He saved us. He mm-hmm. hath saved us. You were saved before you were even born. I know some people would have a problem, but that's what it says here, doesn't it, Jim? Yeah. I knew you before I formed you. Yeah. yeah. You, you, who hath saved you yeah. and called us with a holy calling. You know, if you're listening to our voice, you have been called with a holy calling. Mm-hmm. Not according to anything you've done, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Thank God for that. It's his plan. From A to Z, it's his plan. Thank God for that. Which was given, past tense, us in Christ Jesus when? Before. Before the world began. I got to read this again, Jim. I'm telling you, this That's scripture right stuff. here will set you free. Yeah, you don't hear much of that coming from some of the pulpits. It's all yeah. about, you know. Who has already saved us? Look it up. 2 Timothy 1.9. Who has already saved us and called us with a holy calling. Mm-hmm. Not a cor- and, and he's not just talking to Timothy. Us is plural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not according to our works. So many people are trying to work their way into heaven. It can't be done. No. It's impossible. No. It's a free gift. You didn't do anything to earn it. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Well, okay, so let's just look at the three words. He saved us. He called us, and he has given us. It's already been done. It's not a future event. Just receive it. Just receive it. He did this before the world began, before Jesus even walked the earth, before he was crucified, before he was risen. He had even said he was crucified before the foundation of the world. That's right. It was all part of the plan. I know. Well, you know, getting back to this works that you'd mentioned, Ritz, in John 6, uh, somewhere around 20, somewhere in there, there was a man that went to Jesus, and he said, well, what works must I do to inherit, you know, the kingdom of God? And he said, the only work you have to do is to believe on the one whom the Father has sent. Mm-hmm. That's the works. If you're worried about, well, I'm just not doing enough works. I'm just not going to church as much. I'm not giving as much money as... The preacher says, I have to, and so on and so forth. The Lord says, darling, the only works that you need to do is to believe on the one whom the Father has sent, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guess we're going to close with this poem, Rich. Um, This poem is titled, This is the Hour of My Quickening. It says, My children, not thy will, but mine be done, will be the true measure of a son. Yep. For the will is the member in your house. It's a hinge that can turn you about. It will bring me in or it will shut me out. So open wide this day to me so I can come in and you can learn of me. For truly my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you can only know this as you receive my light. So open wide your heart to me and I will come in and sup with thee. Well, praise the Lord. We thank you. We really do. Thank you for tuning in. And um, just please keep listening. Uh, We're just sharing from our heart to you. And um, we love you. God loves you. And we'll see you next time.